And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We're taking a look at uh, six different kind of emotions, feelings that, uh, that we all experience in our life. And um, these are emotions that if they don't uh, go checked, if they go unchecked in our life, uh, that they can wreak some havoc, can't they? And uh, so we're talking a little bit about that. We're looking at what the Word of God has to say about each of these, um, these feelings and um, how we can live a life, kind of a, a, a God-honoring life um, as we navigate these feelings. Um, today, uh, we're talking about... Um, a feeling that uh, my, my family makes a lot of fun of me about. Uh, we're talking about frustration today. And um, uh, my personality uh, it gets frustrated about everything. And I don't know about you, but they just, they, they make fun of me all the time because that's the word I always use. Oh, I'm so frustrated or that's frustrating or, you know, that person's like driving 35 in a 55. That's frustrating. You know, it's just, it's a word that I use a lot. And uh, Andrea said, I need to kind of chill out on the frustration or I'm going to have some physical problems. Um, <laughs> but, um, but today I really felt like the Lord was leading me, um, not just in this feeling, but to really kind of zero in uh, on a specific area of frustration. Um, there's a lot of directions that, that I could go with, um, with this topic. But today what I want to do is I want to really focus um, on the frustration of when we are walking through uh, some situations, some challenges in our life. And we have no control over what happens with them. Like we walk through difficulty and it feels like we, we just have totally lost control, that we are powerless to change it. And how we develop this kind of, this attitude, this feeling of frustration because we want things to be different, but we just have no power to make them different. And we kind of get lost in, in the grayness, the darkness of, of frustration. And so I want to talk a little bit uh, about that today. If you got your Bible, uh, you can make your way over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, while you're doing that, we're going to, uh, to pray together, invite uh, the Holy Spirit into our time. And so if you would, would repeat this with me with your best voice, uh, Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear a heart to receive, and the courage to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess I better not do that right there unless I'm kind of doing the uh, call to NASA. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, before we jump into that, um, how many of you would agree with this statement? I got it up on the screens. Uh, this statement here that, that the kind of life that we experience, that it's often a result of how we interpret the things that we experience. So the kind of life that we experience is often a result of how we interpret the things that we experience. You know, when I think of that statement, I can't help but to think about a young woman by the name of Rebecca Gregory. Rebecca was 25 years old. Life was, was going great, normal life until April 15th, 2003. It was a date that would change her life forever. It was a date that for the first time she was uh, visiting uh, Boston. She was on Boyston Street near the finish line of the Boston Marathon. And, 
And it was there that the unimaginable happened in her life. Two bombs uh, exploded, killing three and injuring over 260 people. And for Rebecca, her injuries were, were really catastrophic. She ended up having uh, 35 surgeries, eventually ended up amputating her leg. And as she reflected back on just her experiences and the things, the situations that she had to walk through through that, she, she made this statement that I find pretty fascinating. She said that the, that the most amount of beauty is coming from the toughest amount of pain. That the most amount of beauty is coming from the toughest amount of pain. And I find the words that she chose to say kind of interesting. You see, she chose to see the beauty, the beauty in the situation, the beauty on the other side of the situation, because she was able to kind of change her perspective a little bit, to, to, to zoom out a little bit from this horrifying moment and to recognize that there, was, that there was beauty surrounding it that she would have never seen if the moment would have never happened. And I think about in our lives, I think about all the things that we walk through, all the things that we experience. For many of us, we may never experience anything remotely close to what Rebecca experienced. But, but I think about that and I think about how those situations when we experience difficulty and we feel powerless to be able to change it, that they can really get, it can really get frustrating. The perspective that we choose to have in that moment, that it does have a huge impact of the kind of life that we're going to end up living and so in the Bible, we see this truth kind of play out a little bit with a guy named Paul. And he, was, he had gone through some pretty frustrating moments, some good moments, but some pretty frustrating moments in his life as well. And what I find interesting about Paul's story that we're going to be looking at today is that he initially started out with the wrong perspective. And God began to speak to him and helped him to be able to zoom out and to have the right perspective. You know, when you look at 2 Corinthians, it's a letter that's written by Paul. I think what's kind of interesting, you know, as we read the Bible, we oftentimes look at the Bible and, and read it as a kind of a way thinking that everybody's kind of done it right in their life, right? And so that's why they get into the Bible is because they've done it right. And uh, the more that you read the Bible, the more you realize that, that no, they didn't necessarily do it right. And one of the things that Paul was really frustrated about with this Corinthian church is, is, and he was so frustrated that he actually even considered not going uh, back, but he was so frustrated because he had poured so much into them and into their lives that he felt like they should, that they had, should have been living a little bit more on fire for God. And I, I don't know if you've ever been frustrated so frustrated with somebody or something before that you just, you know, it was just like it, it took over your body. But, but for, for Paul and for in this moment, he had poured so much despite all that he had sacrificed. You know, here these people are, they're still living in the same sin that they were living in before they came to know Christ. And if you were to 
look through 2 Corinthians, there's, there's, there's three themes that we see that, that Paul is kind of frustrated about. And I just want to share these real quick because I find it kind of interesting. The first one is this, is that they were allowing culture to influence their lives too much. Paul was frustrated with these, this Corinthian church because they were allowing the culture to influence their lives too much. In other words, they were, they were great on Sundays, but when they would leave church on Sundays and they would go about in their everyday lives, their lives didn't look that much like Christ. And it frustrated Paul because he had sacrificed so much for this church and his, his heart was that they would follow hard after God and that they would be able to experience all that God had for them, that they would take their relationship with God seriously and he's frustrated because, because they weren't. The second thing that you'll see that, that really frustrated Paul is that they were stingy despite being given so much. And here Paul is, Paul's, Paul's traveling, he's He's got a burden for uh, the poor um, in Jerusalem. And so he's, he's receiving, he's going to all of these churches to receive an offering to be able to bless this church. And he's frustrated with the Corinthians because um, he's gone to all these other churches that um, have less than the Corinthian church has. And the Corinthian church is giving less than all of these other churches. And for Paul, it was... It was frustrating. It was frustrating to, to see them kind of lose sight of what being a Christ follower was all about. That these people were being stingy. They were kind of living life with a closed fist. And, and Paul was getting frustrated because they were losing focus. Losing focus on what God had called them to do. And I, you know, I think about this and I, I want to pause for just a second because um, because here's what I think. I think a Christian who isn't generous kind of misses the point of being a Christian. Like there is a generosity that is a part of who God is. Like God gave the best that he had for us. We received the best that he had, his son. And there is a, a calling on all of our lives to, to, to share that kind of generosity, like that transformed life that God has called us to is us becoming more and more like Christ. That means that our tendencies, our attitudes, like our preferences, and it's painful, trust me, it's painful. But the whole idea is that we're, we're kind of leaning into this process and he's beginning to carve off some things in our life that are not like him. Like the, the transformational process of our life is that we begin to take on the characteristics of God, that we began to become more like Him in our lives. And, and there really is this expectation from God that every believer would, would, would give generously, would, would be all about partnering with Him to advance the kingdom of God and His work. And it is a responsibility that biblically that God has given us. And, and here's the thing that we kind of see is that God fully understands our human nature. He fully understands that our nature is to be stingy, our nature is to kind of hold on. And so here's what he does, he institutes a standard. And that standard is called the tithe, which means 10% of our increase. And, and here's the thing that, that is really important that, 
And I'm not going to dig into this, but it's really important that we understand, like, like there is a heart barrier in our lives when we take any area of our lives and hold it to ourselves. Like the idea of being a Christ follower, a disciple of Jesus means that we lay down everything, all of our wants, all of our desires, everything that we have is his. And so imagine, like, think about this for a moment just to try to kind of verify my point. Like, what would this world look like if every Christ follower actually lived that way? Like, think about it. Like, when we did the outreach this weekend, if every Christian lived this way, we wouldn't be just giving gift cards for groceries. We would be paying off mortgages. Do you know what I'm saying? Like... Like there would just be a revolutionary um, kind of ministry that would go forth out of every church because there would not be a lack of resources. It would be a drive of God. You are giving us a burden and we are responding to the burden. And, and here Paul has this kind, of, this kind of frustration because he recognizes a need. God's given him a burden for the need. He sees that the resources are in this church, but they're unwilling to be able to give of the resources. And I think it really is a, a heart thing. When we think about giving, usually giving is, is, and that's my personality too, it's the last thing that I let go of, right? I'll give some other stuff, but, but the money part is the last thing that, that we give up. Uh, and that's why, that's why God is so clear about how it impacts our heart, that when we pull back from Him, it creates a barrier in our heart. But when we live fully open and transparent lives where everything we have is surrendered to you, God, use it however you want to do it, it, it just opens up what God wants to do and operate through our lives. And I think about my own journey and I think about all that God has done for me and all that I have received freely through Christ Jesus. And the idea would be, why, why would I ever want to withhold that opportunity from somebody else being able to experience it? You know, think about this statement, and then I'm going to move on. I got it on the, on the screens. A surrendered heart, a surrendered heart doesn't squabble over percentages. It looks for opportunities to make a difference in the lives of other people. All right, I know it's getting heavy. I'm almost done. I get it. I get it. I know it's getting heavy. But I just want you to consider that for a moment. A surrendered heart doesn't squabble over percentages. It doesn't look at a 10%. It doesn't look at whatever percent and really have a problem with that. A surrendered heart is, God, really all of this is yours. Like you've blessed me with all of it. And anything that I can do to make an impact, to partner with you and make an impact in the lives of other people, like I'm willing to do that because my life's not, it's not about me. It's not about my list of desires and wants and all that stuff. It's about your kingdom. And that really is the challenge. That's, that's, that's the wrestle that we all experience with that is our kingdom versus his kingdom. And that kind of leads us to the third thing that Paul was frustrated. And you, you can read through 2 Corinthians, you can kind of see these themes in it, that they were me-minded instead of kingdom-minded. Yeah. They were me-minded instead of kingdom-minded. 
And here Paul is doing everything that he possibly can to advance the, the kingdom of God. Like he's even sacrificing and risking his own life. And he can't get this church to stop thinking about the things that they want and desire rather than prioritizing the kingdom of God in their life and in their church. And so in 2 Corinthians, as we kind of jump into that chapter 12, you guys are like, thank God he's moving on. Um, But I think what's the reason why I kind of spent some time there is because I think it's important that we understand the level of frustration that Paul is feeling with this. Like he has poured his entire life, like, okay, if you're, so if you're a parent, think of it this way. If you're a parent and you've poured your entire life into your kids, and then when they start to get over, older, they turn away and they act like you've never done anything for them, right? And they turn their back on you. And there's this idea of that as you look at this, that Paul has poured so much into this church with really an honest heart of wanting the best for them and to see them going in an opposite direction. And it just creates this frustration that he experiences. And so as he's wrestling with that frustration, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, how the Lord allows him to be able to move from a wrong perspective to a right perspective. So look with me in verse 7. It says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, another word for that is pride. So I think it's important that we catch this, that there is a reason behind what we're about to read that I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So Paul's given this thorn in the flesh, and we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But it was, there was a purpose behind that, right? There was a purpose behind it, and that was to keep the pride out of his life. And he describes it this way, that it's a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, notice there that he's not describing uh, the giver, he's describing the experience. You catch that? He's not saying anywhere in there that it is coming from Satan. He's saying the experience is like all hell coming against me kind of experience. And then he says that he was given a thorn in the flesh. And I don't know about you, I've had my share of splinters in my life. Um, Those are never fun right? It's amazing that something so little can create so much discomfort and pain. And, um, and then you can have something in there and it just kind of, you can't get it out and it stays in there for a while. And then you're, you're kind of walking around, you're not even using that finger anymore. Like it starts restricting um, your ability to be able to use it. And Paul's like, I mean, obviously that's not a, a great comparison, but Paul's got this like thorn that he keeps um, um, mentioning that is just it's, it's, there's a purpose that's behind it, but it's painful. It's painful for him. And, and look here, it says that it was, it was given. And I find this to be really interesting because when you look at the word given in the original language, it means to give a gift. So a thorn was given, but it, the word given means to give a gift. It also means to, to give something for someone else's advantage. Like, and don't you find that kind of weird that, that that word would have been used, connected to a thorn, something that is um, uncomfortable, something that is painful, something that Paul is, we're going to see, is frustrated because it won't go away. And it made me kind of think this week that 
Now, maybe God doesn't want us to live a good life. Maybe God wants us to live a godly life. Like, meaning, in our lives, we want all of our pain and discomfort to go away, right? Don't we? Like, we want all the difficulty to go away. We, we want a good life with no difficulty, no problems. But maybe we're going to see here that maybe that's not what God's after, like, Like maybe he's more after us having a godly life, which means we're reflecting his character in our life more so than just having a good life. And so you see, you see here in uh, verse eight, we see how bad and how uncomfortable this thorn was for Paul. He says that three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. Now, theologians will say that's not three times in one prayer, that these are three different kind of seasons, situations in Paul's life where he is pleading with God to take it away. I'm not sure about your journey. I know in mine, I've had plenty of times in my life where I've gotten frustrated because I've had to walk through some stuff in my life, some difficulty in my life that I wanted God to take away. Like there's even been times in my life when I've, I've, I've even as a pastor, like I, you know, I, and I'm just, I'll just tell you like, like I, and, and I've prayed to God and I've said, I said, God, I do so much for you. I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer, but God, I do so much for you. Why are you allowing these things to happen in my life? Like, like the more I do for God, the more it's supposed to relieve me of, <laughs> of the burden of life, you know, and, and maybe you've been there. Like maybe you're a single mom today and, you know, you're frustrated because nobody gets how hard it is to juggle all the balls that you're jugging to try to keep in the air. And you wonder and you ask the Lord, like, why does this keep happening? Why can't I kind of find, uh, see the light at the end, the tunnel? Maybe you're a parent today and maybe you've got a, a child that's sick. And you wonder, like, what has my child done to you, God, that has caused all of this to, to, to impact and to be a part of their lives? Why, why do they deserve this? Or maybe, maybe you find yourself kind of stuck in a job and and financially, you just keep kind of butting your head like, like it's just, you can't ever get ahead. And every time you try to take a step out and to find a new job, the door slams in your face. And, and you're like, God, I, I, I thought that, that, that as I've been following you, that you were going to bless me and that I'd be able to even like, like even have the heart to be able to bless others. But I find myself in this, this season where there's absolutely no margin. Like instead of going forward, I keep taking multiple steps backwards. Or maybe for you, maybe you gave your heart to God and you struggled with an addiction for a lot of your life. And your thought was, is that God, when I surrender my life to you, you're going to take all of this stuff away, but it's still there. Like the temptation, the desires to do some of the things that were there before you knew Christ, it's, it's still there. And friend, if that's you, you're not alone. Like not only are we all experiencing that, but the apostle Paul, I mean, the guy that was like, 
is like all through the New Testament, the guy that it's very hard to do a message in the New Testament and not bring his name up at some point. Like even that guy had such a frustration with the thorn, with the thing, the season that he was in and what was happening in his life that he pleaded and begged God to take it away. God helped Paul to kind of kind of zoom out a little bit. And we see in verse 9 what God says to Paul. He says this, that my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, I don't know about you, but like that's not the, oh, thank God that is the answer. It's all fixed. <laughs> And I'm good. Like, I get it, God. Like, like I, I mean, if that were me, and I think Paul responded a lot better than I would have responded. Because uh, I'd have been like, hey, that's cool, God, grace, whatever. Like, I, give me something. Like, take it away. Right? Like, take it away. But he tells Paul, Paul, all you need. My grace is all that you need. Like, like, think about that for a moment. Like, God's not saying, if I take this away, that's what you need. He's saying, my grace is all you need. The easiest way to kind of understand what grace is, is it's God's hand on our life. It's not earned. There's nothing that we can do to, to earn that grace. It's the loving father looking down on his children and saying, I I want the best for them in their lives. And in this moment, God is looking at Paul and says, the best for you in your life is not that I take that away, but it's that you receive my grace and that in that, you find a strength that you would never experience or identify without it. And with this statement from God, Paul kind of recognizes what I would call a kingdom paradox, which means that um, everything that we kind of face that we go through in life, like there is a, um, there is a flesh way, there is a uh, human logic behind it, right? And then there is a kingdom logic behind it. And one of the things that we wrestle with so much in our journey with God is that we we try to look at situations and experiences and things that God's challenging us to do from, a hu from human logic. And if it doesn't make sense with our human logic, then we typically don't take a step of faith. And where faith comes in is it's us saying, okay, my human logic says, no, that does, isn't going to work. But the kingdom logic says, I'm going to trust God that if he is if he's telling me, inviting me into this journey, that if I follow him, that he is going to make perfect in me in weakness. And so what we see here is we see something that's, that's pretty crazy. We see his response in verse 9. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Again, like to, to hear that is kind of difficult because, um, because what he's saying is, is that, that I'm actually going to welcome the difficulty in my life because then I get to receive 
His grace in my life. And he says, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Friend, what we see here from Paul is that he learned this painful but powerful lesson in this moment. And it's a lesson that that really you and I, we have to learn, we have to come to grips with in our transformational journey with God. And here's what it is, that if we never had a problem, we'd never know his power. Think about that. If you and I never had a problem in our life, we would never know his power. And because Paul was more interested in living in God's power rather than just getting rid of his problem, right? He was more interested in living in God's power than just getting rid of his problem. He was able to say this in the next verse. Now I take limitations in stride. And with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. Look at this. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker that I get, the stronger I become. A kingdom paradox. That the weaker that we get, the stronger we become. As long as we let Christ take over. Friend, I don't know if you're frustrated today about something that you feel powerless to be able to change. I don't know if there's things going on with work. I don't know if there's things going on with your marriage, with your kids. But what if God was bringing you through it, a God message through a devilish situation? Like Paul, what if God was allowing this situation that you're walking through and the frustration that you're feeling to happen in order for him to be able to bring a God message into your life. See, Paul didn't see it this way at first, and like most of us, we don't. That he went to God on several different occasions pleading for him to take it away, and just like us, Paul got frustrated when nothing happened. Paul later discovered that truth, that if he never had a problem, he'd never know his power. You remember that story about Rebecca at the beginning? Rebecca's journey didn't stop with amputation of her leg. She was able to zoom back a little bit and recognize the beauty that she would never see without that devastation. That two years later, two years removed from the bombing after 35 surgeries and Three months after amputating her leg, Rebecca found herself back at the Boston Marathon again. This time, not as a spectator, but as a runner. Rebecca's doctors gave her permission to be able to run the last 3.2 miles, which for her carried a lot of meaning because that represented the amount of months it took for her to be able to walk again from the amputation. And these are Rebecca's words on the other side of the finish line. That when I put everything into perspective, for me, it wasn't about how many miles I could run. 
It was that I could run. She said that the most important mile to me was Boyston Street. That moment when I got to run past the place where I nearly lost everything and not stop until I made it across the finish line. Why? Why is a question that you and I will rarely get the answer to this side of heaven? Like, why did you have to walk through the divorce? Why did you lose a child? Why did the job, the dream not work out? Why did the relationship not work out? Like, why is a question that we rarely get the answer to this side of heaven, but what we do know is that if we will pull back a little bit from the problem in our life and have a wider perspective of what's going on, that, that there's beauty there. That oftentimes in the moments and the seasons that we're walking through it, it's difficult to see the beauty. For Rebecca, she didn't see the beauty when she was laying on the sidewalk, missing a leg. She saw the beauty on the other side. And she ended up saying this, that the hardest, toughest chapters lead us to the most beautiful ones of all. Friend, I don't know what chapter you're in today that's frustrating you. I don't know what chapter of your life feels like there's nothing you can do to change it. But I know this, is that if God hasn't intervened and he hasn't pulled you out of it, then he's got a purpose for it. And like Paul, if you will receive his grace and know that his hand upon your life is sufficient, it's all that you need, that it'll help you and I to be able to pull back from the situation we're in and have a broader perspective and to recognize that God's got us all on a journey, a transformational journey, not to a perfect life with no problems, but to a life that looks more and more like him. Would you bow your head this morning? Father, I thank you, Lord, for my friends that are here today and those that are watching online. And God, reading a passage of scripture like this and really a charge to, to hold on to your grace even in the midst of difficulty. Lord, it doesn't downplay the pain of whatever it is that we're walking through today. But Lord, what it does do is it does give us hope to understand, Lord, that you are at work. And that even in the seasons where we feel the weakest, that if we will let you, that God, we will discover that your spirit will make us strong. So this morning I pray over those that are going through a difficult season, those that are frustrated, that feel powerless to change the situation that they're in. Lord, I pray that your comfort and your peace 
would surround them in this moment. That Lord, even if nothing ever changes, just like Paul who prayed three times passionately for you to take it away and nothing, nothing ever changed, Lord, that if that's the journey that you have them on in this season, Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, your Holy Spirit would just surround them and encourage them and give them comfort in knowing, Lord, that your word is true, that you work all things out, the good and the bad for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray in this moment that God, they would sense your love like never before. In Jesus' name. Amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7.00. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.